On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. A short story for you. A director and an actor collaborated together on a hard comedy that was the director's first film. Almost 12 years later from when they first worked together, after both the director and the actor rose to international fame and acclaim, that same actor approached that same director with a script he had just read, telling him, you've got to read this. The director, who knew a thing or two about revenge films, saw the script as very powerful, but also a challenge, and he went for it. He ended up casting the same actor as one of his two leads for the film, a serial killer who becomes the hunted when he kills the wrong woman. The director, Ji Woon Kim. The actor, Choi Min Sik. The movie, 2010's I Saw the Devil. Now streaming on Hulu, Tubi, and Pluto TV. So don't go accepting rides in the snow, this is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. We're also joined this week in the background by our lovely editor. Greetings to all, it's in our movie. Hello! We are doing I Saw the Devil. I Ooh. Saw the Devil. That's not the way it's. Oh, is that, wait, is that a song? <laughs> like, I saw the sound. Oh, I saw the devil. <laughs> and it hit me with a hammer. Ooh, spoilers, sorry. <laughs> it's in the first five minutes. It is, it's pretty early on. And <laughs> Anyways, uh, how are you doing, Brett? I I am good. I am good. I am still wondering if my energy will ever come back or this is what being in my early 30s is now like. I mean, I think it's a safe bet 50-50, one or the other. Really, I mean, <laughs> I feel so tired lately yeah. and I don't know what it is. I feel like I need like eight cups of coffee now. Yeah, like the coffee isn't even touching me in the morning if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think I need to like just inject it into my veins or I don't know. I had an old coworker who used to just take caffeine pills all the time, mm. and they swore it was, like, better than coffee, but I actually like the taste of coffee, so I was like, no, thank you. I need the liquid energy. But yeah, I have been so tired. But it's also winter. Yeah. It's true. Yes. It's true. Which is one reason why I picked this movie, because the opening sequence is very snowy. Yeah. And very horribly brutalizing. I'd like to take this opportunity to apologize to everybody who might have felt personally attacked by this film because it is a lot this one does need a trigger warning it's a big trigger warning for violence and sexual violence and just all kinds of violence cannibalism that it touches there i didn't expect that when i first watched this movie that was a surprise but it's very brutal and it's honestly the opening sequence the only other film that i felt so visceral about like a murder sequence was the movie Zodiac, the picnic sequence. Oh, yeah. That was when you really hear the hard. Dabs and, yeah. That's probably, like, so if you didn't like that part of Zodiac, then maybe, like, uh, don't look too closely in the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Or will, a couple of scenes. I will say my husband's pretty hardcore. Like, you know, he, when he was a teenager, he loved Ooh, the Saw uh, movies. Uh, sorry. Yeah, like, get down. So, um, get down. Does he get down with the sickness? <laughs> yeah. Taylor loved the Saw movies growing up, and there was a few scenes in this movie he was like, ah, 
like he was doing the eye wince and he was like kind of watching for his fingers a little bit. I was like, yeah, yeah. it's pretty hardcore. Yeah, sure. this is the same director as A Tale of Two Sisters, mm-hmm. which I know we're going to cover. Which, honestly, I love this movie. But I do think Tale of Two Sisters is a little more... Palatable? Pa- no, it, like it's more closer to my heart. Like I, I really loved it more a little bit, but this is, takes place in the winter. It also, it's not, this is, we, you know, we obviously do a lot of slow burns on the podcast. This is not a slow burn. No. And the least, like, you hit the ground running and you do yeah. not stop. The yeah. entire, like, two hour and 20 something minute running time. Yeah. yeah. It kind of, well, I do love the beginning of this movie because, like, it's just, like, someone driving in the snow and there's this, like, this lovely little guitar music. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, what am I getting into? And then, like, you have this cute little interaction between these two people. And then it's just. It's just brutal, and you're just like, oh, okay. Also, this reminds me a little bit of Memories of Murder, too. Like, the way some of the murders were set up. Mm -hmm. But less police background and more revenge. Uh, That's something I kept, before we get into spoilers, I know you do the rundown. That's something else me and Taylor kept talking about. We're like, the police are idiots in this movie. Well, okay. Well, I have a better, I kind of like, I don't think they're idiots. I think they're two steps behind the main character because he's purposely keeping stuff from them so he can exact revenge the way he wants to, which I think is kind of like, because like, honestly, there are so many chances where he could have let the police take over because they were right behind him and he doesn't. I'm thinking of two particular instances that are more like, um, maybe not logistics. The one, the second is more of a logistic thing. The first thing is something, and you'll probably agree with this, I think, but probably I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't think they're idiots. I just don't think they're as fast as he is. And it could be, and you know, the thing is, is obviously this is taking place in South Korea. It could be that maybe they have a different way of handling things that are different yeah. from what we're used to. Also, so that the, could be something to These do. police are trying to do procedure, which is not, ooh, I don't know. I don't really, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, it's probably the worst time to talk about police yeah. and procedure because I know you all know what happened in Memphis and yeah. it's awful. And uh, this is, this is not that episode, but. Yeah, obviously, I'm yeah horribly upset about that, but we won't get into we it. We are talking about fictional police in a yes. movie released 12 years ago. Yes, so, so we're trying to talk about it in the abstract, which... But first, I guess we should get into some background. If We did a little background with the intro, mm-hmm. but we should probably do a little bit. So this was directed and written by Jiwoon Kim or Kim Jiwoon. Um, America switches Korean names. And so I have them all written down the way it was on IMDb, which is probably not the way it actually is. So beg forgiveness. I thought it was interesting. So his director would be a quiet family. Uh, I was like, man, he had Choi Min Sik and Song Kang Ho. I know. I was like, he's worked with like two of the greatest Korean actors. And that is like ever. a dark horror comedy that mm-hmm. I just found out about, I think like a few months ago, maybe in October. And so I haven't seen it streaming anywhere, but it's been in the back of my mind that that would be something yeah. to do in the future. But yeah, I just love that he has both of them. And then, of course, he did A Tale of Two Sisters, mm-hmm. um, which was remade in America called The Uninvited. I will say The Uninvited isn't the worst horror movie, but it's not anywhere near as beautiful as A Tale of Two Sisters. A Tale of Two Sisters is absolutely gorgeous. And the same cinematographer worked on both of those films and this film, who is Mo Gay Lee, or Lee Mo Gay. And they also did The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, which I think is a westernish it's like a homage to spaghetti yes. westerns yeah so which is pretty fun and um, he has multiple actors because song Kei ho and uh lee boyon hong were both in that one we love you all know we love song Kei ho yeah so um, does everybody now i feel oh, like he's phenomenal he's fantastic awesome. i love him but yes jiwoon kim has done a lot of movies he also directed um one of the sequences for three extremes two the sequence that he directed was Memories, which if you know anything about the three extremes, it, it's three Korean films, like short films in one movie. The first one is, and then this was the second one. And they are extreme horror, like very gory. And I believe Takeshi Miike directed one of the sequences. And I think Park Chan-wook directed one of them, but I might be mistaken. It's a very infamous 
thing and it was banned in a lot of places. Yeah. There's, but it's one that I want to watch, but it's like three short stories put into one movie. I was, I'm trying to think back. So I know Three of Shrooms, or was it Masters of the Macabre was the one that Takashi Miike did that was banned? Because I remember um, that one. No, Masters of Horror too. That, that one okay, was so, the one I watched. Okay, and that was banned too, right? Yes. Okay. Masters Which now it's streaming somewhere else because I just saw it because the Masters of Horror got taken off. Three Extremes is a, is Korean. Master of Horrors is American, but they had Takeshi Miike mm-hmm. do one. Okay. Yeah, Park Chan-wook, Takeshi Miike, and Fruit Chan. Yes, it's an anthology horror film consisting of three individual segments from three different East Asian countries, China, Japan, and South Korea. Ah. I would say, why is Takeshi Miike in if it's Korean, Katie? Yeah. And then they did a second one. Anyways, but I thought that was cool because that's another horror anthology kind of thing. And weirdly, apparently Arnold Schwarzenegger saw this movie and asked this director to direct The Last Stand, which I have not watched. Me either. But I don't think it did badly at the off- at the um, box office. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the writer is Park Hoon Jung. I really want to see two movies that they wrote called The Witch Part 1 and 2. And it is apparently a really, really cool East Asian horror film. I have not gotten to watch them yet, either one yet. But the second one just got released, I think, late last year. So it is streaming in several places. And they also wrote The Tiger and New World, which I have not heard of those two. But The Witch is like one of those East Asian horror films that people are like, you should watch it. You should watch it. You yeah. should watch it. And I haven't sat down and watched it quite yet. Was there anything else I missed about background before we get into... No, I know. I wrote a lot about, you know, different things in the interview. So I think you did write that. I think we talked about this. So the INDB trivia page says that this movie was partially inspired by serial killer Yu Young Chul. And I could not find that in any given interview that that was true. But looking up his crimes, it seems like there is some similarities between this movie and his crimes. But I couldn't find... Yes. I was telling Katie, I, I tried to do a lot of research into why someone decides to write a script and how exactly was this script born. I couldn't find that particular information. I either. But I will say, there's another movie called The Chaser mm-hmm. from 2008, which is also loosely based on the murders committed by the serial killer who was also named the raincoat killer mm-hmm. and the he i did read up on the murderer like his timeline was like he did a bunch of petty crimes <laughs> reminds me a lot of the golden state killer yeah. did a lot of petty crimes got married to his girlfriend had kids with had two kids i think then was arrested for ma- like spousal abuse i believe rape and then she divorced him and then he started doing even more crimes and then started escalating to murders. And then he would just randomly, like, find mostly women and kill them randomly until he finally got caught. Yeah. But he had, oh, I feel like it was, like, I feel like it was, like, 8 to 12 victims. I think it was, like, at least 10, but I feel like it was... Plus. 13 plus. Okay, thanks. Netflix has a documentary now. Ooh, there's a documentary on Netflix. I know. This, this guy he killed at least he was charged with at least 19 people and it seems very weirdly that he hates the rich and so he was yes. killing a lot of elderly rich people and then a girlfriend broke up with him so then he decided that he was going to kill a lot of young female masseuses That's i mean very creepy yeah he it just like basically when they arrest him he was like i you know, I hate the rich and women shouldn't be sluts. So he had like his own set of moral codes. I guess the thing is, is like, you know, the people in Korea were so mad at this guy that they, they wanted him to be killed. And he's like, yeah, I want to, I oh, want to be executed. in jail. Yeah, he's still sitting in jail. He's on death row. Bro. Yeah. But he's still sitting in jail. I don't know how long it takes Korea to mm-hmm. get to death row. I don't know. I know in America it does take quite a while. Yeah. You know, I'm very iffy on capital punishment i'm not really a fan of it because i feel like people can be uh rehabilitated if given the chance but most people that get the death penalty probably don't want to be rehabilitated however i would rather see someone who doesn't want to be rehabilitated to just sit and rot in a jail cell yeah for the rest of their lives and i feel like that's worse punishment in my opinion but that's my opinion you know what? I'm not the victim's family in this circumstance, so... I seen you know. Warner Herzog's Into the Abyss years ago, and that kind of made me feel a certain way about the death penalty. And I, I think I agree with you. 
for the most part. Because now we're still at the point where we wrongly condemn people, for yes, one. That's, that's still yeah. a thing. And two... Wrongly convict people. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, people go to death row and then are put to death and then they find DNA evidence and they're like, oh, oops! People serve decades in prison. They yeah. find out that they're And innocent. then their lives are ruined. So yeah. that's why, like, I would rather just, like, not kill people. Especially in, like, America where we have the infrastructure. But this is what's interesting. You watch a movie like this, and I found myself saying this during this movie. I was like, you know, honestly, he deserves that. I've said that at yeah. least once or twice watching this movie. This is definitely one of the evilest villains I've ever seen. And I, it's so interesting because he's played... I really like um, him... As Odesu. Odesu? Odesu? Yeah. Um, in uh, Old Boy, and he's very, um, I mean, he does take revenge, but he's also very sympathetic in that film. And he plays villains a lot, and I didn't realize that because I re- I'd only seen him in Old Boy up until, like, recently, and I saw this. And he also plays the bad guy in Park Chan-wook's uh, Lady Vengeance. So there's Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, and then Lady Vengeance, and that's the Revenge Trilogy, or yeah. the Vengeance Trilogy by Park Chan-wook. And so he really plays a lot of villains, and he's very good at playing villains, but he seems like a nice man, so it just always makes me like, I'm like, oh, he's such a nice man. And apparently, like, this character really got to him. Yeah. Because Choi Min-sik was, um, like, he was so angry all the time because he was playing this awful person that he, like someone was being really annoying in an elevator and he like had the intrusive thought to like punch him in the face and they didn't but then he said and he realized that like that was really affecting him mentally and he kind of had a bit of a nervous breakdown while he was filming this and then he got better obviously and after the movie was released he was in an elevator with this woman and she got really freaked out and he was like oh don't worry i'm human i don't kill people anymore and i feel like and i tried to find this trivia again but i feel like i've heard through commentary that he's a buddhist and when he had to eat the The octopus yeah live in old boy he was very like he had to go say a bunch of prayers because he doesn't usually he's like a vegetarian because he's practices buddhism yeah and stuff and i was like that's cool so i feel like that's so far on the other end of the spectrum for him so yeah. it's so weird he seems like such a nice guy and he always plays such evil bastards especially this um but anyways yeah i thought that was a very interesting thing also i mean like so they have in korea they have a version of uh it's called a screen quota system mm-hmm. and you have to have so many korean films released in the country before they let other films be released. Which, Canada, I think, does something really similar. I think there's, like, six other countries in yeah. there, right? And Canada also gives a lot of money yeah. to the film industry. So that's why you see a lot of films, like, filmed in Canada. Mm-hmm. And TV shows, too, because they want that to be part of their commerce and their culture. And Ch- Choi Min-sik was very against this. And he basically didn't do a movie for a very long time because he was so fed up with it. (laughs) And so this was his first movie back. So obviously this really spoke to him. Yeah. Even though it made him have a just a minor nervous breakdown. But yeah, so I guess we're going to get into the rundown really quickly. Um, So like we said last week, we're trying to do like just a short little rundown of plot so we can just kind of focus on what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, so if you haven't already seen this movie, it's playing on Hulu, on Tubi, on Pluto, and probably a billion other places. Um, it's called I Saw the Devil, and it's from 2010. Yes, and again, we are giving trigger warnings for this movie. For lots of very realistic violence, lots of brutality, Violence towards women especially, and there is sexual assault in this. Yeah. I will say, so, and Katie, um, I know you were talking about the quota system. So this movie was heavily edited in Korea. Which is funny because the international cut is not edited at all. So what we saw is the movie as it's intended to be. Except they took out one sequence because the way they had to edit it for time made it make no sense when they did it. And we'll talk about that when we get closer, when we get to super spoilers. So, if you don't want spoilers, stop listening, go watch the movie, and then come right back. Yes. 
And if you already watched it, which you should have, here's a rundown. Yay! Da 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 da. Anyways, okay. I saw the devil follows two men on parallel journeys. One, Su Hyun, a Korean Secret Service agent, searches for vicious revenge after the unimaginable murder of his beloved fiance, Ju Yeon. The other, Jang Kyung Cho, is a shape-shifting psychopathic rapist and murderer who callously kills Ju Yeong in the latest of his string of serial murders. And it gets worse. Vowing revenge for himself, Ju Yeon's police chief father and loving sister, Su Hyun uses his two weeks grievance period to track down the culprit. As he narrows down the suspects, Jang gathers more victims of his violence, including a nurse, a stranded traveler, and a young schoolgirl. The two eventually cross paths and begin a game of cat and mouse that leaves a trail of bodies in its wake as they work through police, criminals, and innocents to settle the score. And that's pretty much the movie. Yeah. But there's a lot of weird stuff in between. (laughs) So do we want to talk about the opening sequence? Yeah, I mean, so I know me and you have both, uh, Katie got to see it before I did, but the new Hunter Scary Movie Moments that's on Shudder, yes. this was included in that. So yes. the spoil, the, the opening scene was room for me because I watched that before yes. I watched this. I think I also watched that before I watched this. Someone spoiled the opening sequence, but it's not even like that much of a spoiler as much as it's the brutality yeah. and how awful it is. So I love it. And that's really why I picked this for, like, winter, because that's the best sequence, is, like, you see someone driving in the snow, you don't know who it is, and they come across another car, and it's this stranded woman, this motorist, and she's parked on the side of the road, and she's on the phone with her fiancé, and obviously this is Soo-hyun and his fiancé, Ju-hyun, and they both have, like, the same second. And they're, like, you can tell, like, they're very, like, it's, like, either a fresh love or it's just, like, this kind of sweet, sweet love. Because he, like, goes in the bathroom and sing her a little song. Yeah. Oh, well, I think they're engaged. They're engaged. And they've been engaged for about a month. Yes. Been, so it's, like, but it's, like, that fresh, like, yes, you know, like, when you're new, like, uh, the honeymoon. honeymoon. It, yeah, they're so, yeah. either they just have a really good relationship or there's just honeymooning yeah all over the place it's very sweet and lovely it's cute because she's just like oh she apparently also she's really nice she goes to a children's home once a month yeah an orphanage and she's like hey like you know i go visit the kids every month and he's like oh they're so cute and she's like oh and he's a secret service agent so he's like you know trying to do service detail and he goes in the bathroom at this hotel and he's like singing her this cute little song and then he's like, oh, I mean, uh, I gotta go back to work. Uh, I'll, I'll see you at home. Love you. So her, she has a flat tire. And so she's called her fiance and said, I already called the tow truck. I'm just waiting. And this guy pulls up and he knocks on her door and says, hey, I, I, I can help you. Like, it's gonna be too long for the tow truck to get here. She's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. And she tells her fiance that there's some guy that offered. Yeah. He's like, yeah, just stay in your car. And she's like, yeah, that's good. Which, okay, this is, like, one of my worst nightmares, because I always feel like my car is my safe space if I'm in a weird place, like, a place that I don't know, or if, like, I'm stranded somewhere. Like, I'm like, if I stay in the car, it's my safe space, because no one's going to get in the car, right? I'm, I'm, I'm inside somewhere. Yeah. You feel so safe. And this guy, for one, insists on helping her, and I hate people that do that. Yeah. At this point, like, I probably would have dialed 911. I was thinking, in in her position, I was thinking I probably would have at this point. But I think she was very much like, there's no way. Like, the thing is, like, she does get suspicious. But she's just a little slow on the uptake. Not that she's stupid at all. No. But she's just like, this is weird. This is suspicious. Very Cardi B. That's weird. That's suspicious. We keep forgetting that your brain doesn't always work Right. capacity in these situations. And this was 2010 before the true crime business really got popular. So maybe maybe if she this happened now, she would have been like, yep, I'm yeah. calling the cops right now. I would, you know, I was even thinking, like, and I don't know if you think this way as a woman, but his car's in front of her car. I would have been taking pictures of the car and sending it to somebody. I've done that before. Yeah. She's so vulnerable, and she's all by herself, and it's snowing, and, but she thinks she's okay. She's like, no, no, no thanks. She rolls up her window, and then she's like, why is his car still here? Why hasn't he left? And then, he's not in his car. He's next to her, and he's taking a hammer, and he's hammering through 
Her windshield. And that is the t- most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I think what's even more horrible, it's done in real time. So it happens yes. so quick. She doesn't have time to think. You don't have time to think. And he hits her. And he hits her yes. over and over in the head. And there's this moment where blood runs down her face. And it's like she's trying to fully process. And it's almost like you're hoping that she has a moment to almost get away or cross somewhere or And do she something. does try. She but, tries and she can't open the side, the passenger door because she's right up next to the guardrail. Yeah. And but, that's the worst. When she, that door hit the guardrail, it's like, oh, fuck. There's nowhere for her to go. No. Yeah. So always leave two exits, friends, apparently. We have to always leave two exits. I know. I'm like, maybe she could have jumped in the back seat. I don't know. But you, there's it's probably nothing fast. she could have done. He's, yeah. Like, he's obviously stronger than her. He's bigger than, her, bigger than her. And she's just vulnerable. She's completely vulnerable. She is. And and then there's this really beautiful sequence where he's, it's really terrible. It's awful and beautiful where he's dragging her body through the snow. And there's just this trail of blood and yeah. the white snow. And it's so symbolic and lovely. In a cinematic sequence, but, like, really, really fucking disturbing. And then he takes her back to his lair. It's his quote-unquote home, but, I mean... It looks like a, like a dungeon. It's like a fucking dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. And he... It, like, you see her wrapped in plastic, and you think she's already dead. And she stirs, and it's just the worst thing, because she's just like, please don't kill me. And he's like, why? And she's like, well, I'm pregnant. And he's like... Alright. And then he just stabs her once and then the next thing you see is him chopping up her body. Like, it's just a job. Yeah. Like, you didn't just chop up a human being. And that's what makes you know, like, also before you see the rest of the movie, you're like, this is not his first rodeo. No. He's done this no. before. No, he's no. very comfortable. It's like he's just, like, cleaning his house the way he's scrubbing yeah. the floors and pushing the blood away. And, yeah. Yeah. And luckily... He's not the best killer because he doesn't realize that her engagement ring fell off. Yeah. And it's stuck in the drain in his house. So, like, at least there's going to be a clue. Like, I I like the ring thing. I'm like, ooh, there's a ring. So, anyways, so, as we said, her fiancé is a Secret Service agent. And her dad and him are there when they find her body. And this was, like, the first thing that kind of upset me and Taylor. So, they find her severed head. Which is a beautiful cinematic sequence. Like, the way it's filmed in the water is really beautiful, but also super creepy. It, it is. It's, like, horrifying. But they take the head, and the guy carrying it trips, and the head rolls out, and oh, essentially God. rolls out right in front of her father. And I'm like, oh, like, you guys want to be more careful? With well, like I think it's because, scene? I think the point was that the, the photographer, the news people are there, uh-huh. and they're making, they're making them hurry where they wouldn't usually. Yeah. But the journalists are all there because it's the police chief's daughter that's missing. But it's also like, you box up a head and you obviously don't box up the head well enough that you barely trip. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. You know, like... It's it's so sad. It's just like... It would be funny if it wasn't so tragic. I understand like it's upping the drama of the scene and I get that, but in real life it just would be so... Oh my god, heads would... Like, no pun intended, heads would roll (laughs) for something like that. Like... I'm sure he got he got desk work for quite a while because that is a bullshit. That was so awful. And then you just see Suyun. He's just like the music stops and it's just like everything slows down. It's like the world stops and you're like, oh my god. Yeah. And the thing is, he takes off his two week grieving period. He's like, no, no, boss, I'll be right back. And he just systematically goes through all the suspects. And the thing is, it's weird, because the police are actually going towards the same suspects, but they're, like, two steps behind him the whole time. Yeah. But he works for the government, like, the police. He works for law enforcement, but it's like he, I guess even he doesn't trust law enforcement. Well, they also mentioned, so his his father-in-law, or what would have been his father-in-law, lays down the four suspects, and he's like, they were, you know, questioned for similar crimes. So in other words, they were questioned, but they're still walking around. Right. Yeah. And, and the first guy is kind of comedic, because he's just watching. I forgot this, and I was watching it not in a private place, and I was like, "Oh shit, I forgot about this part." Because he's just like jacking it to porn. It's not like weird porn, but it's very. Um, he is in the privacy of his own home. Yeah, he, but then his computer turns off before he can finish, which I found really funny. Yeah, and then he has to pull his underwear, his gross, ugly underwear up his of his little butt. 
And he's like, oh, what the fuck's happening? And it's Suyun. And he's like, fucker. And he does beat the shit out of him. But when he realizes he's not the guy, he does not kill him. So as I explain later when the man's in a hospital, he's like, he broke this guy's balls. I mean, it's oh. unblushing. The camera follows him as he crushes his nuts. Like, he hits him. Like, <laughs> I'm not even a man. And I'm like, oh, this hurts me. Like, How you did know, Taylor feel about that? I think Taylor jumped out of his seat a little bit when it happened, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> so, so yeah, he's not it's playing fun. around. This isn't no. even the guy that killed his fiance, And... But I think he did balls. do some really bad crimes. Yeah, he had to be guilty of something. We hope. Yeah. But yeah, like, so he eventually gets to Jang. And Jang is just the worst person ever. And he has another victim. And he does almost the same thing. Except it's this is what reminded me of Memories of Murder. Is that, like, she's just, like, standing there in the cold mm-hmm. waiting for the bus. And he's like, oh, I'll take, give you a ride. Because there was, remember, there was, like, the girl with the umbrella and stuff. And it just reminded me of that sequence from Memories of Murder. And I was like, oh, no, don't get in the car, sweetie. Don't get in the car. But there's a darkly humorous moment here. And it's where he's fumbling around for his weapon. He's, like, driving the car, fumbling around. And the girl's just like, what are you doing? Not realizing. So it's, like, serial killer trying to reach around for his weapon as the victim's just like, okay, what's going on? But once again, when we have the moments of violence, it's unflinching. He hits her multiple times in the head. The camera does not pan away. Yeah. It stays on her head. You see how the blood hit the windshield. And it's almost like cracking a melon. Because every time he hits it, it leaves like a mark. Because, like, I would never hit another person with a sharp, heavy object on the head. Like, you just forget that they're... Like, that just seems so shitty. (laughs) That's an understatement. But... I do like, they do this really interesting thing with his character where when he has a weapon, he's almost unbeatable. But if he doesn't have a weapon, he's very easily subdued. So he is, he's not, he doesn't stand on his own two feet. Yeah. He's a coward and an asshole and a terrible person. Um, Played very well by Choi min (laughs) But like, who's that? I don't think he's an asshole in real life, but he does a really good job um, of just being this callous, disgusting person and he does the same thing except he uses a guillotine to chop her head off and you don't see her head roll but then he go, he just makes this really weird like ooh, that was weird yeah like 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 why do you run so funny kind of thing like oh her head like went kind of funny and then he weirdly starts playing the house of the rising sun yeah on the guitar and you're like tight because that's <laughs> like the thing he's like truly like psychopathic that he equates like a one hobby with another hobby yeah he's like combing his hair like he's so like hot shit yeah and he's just like i'm gonna play the house the rising time i mean he plays it okay but yeah so he is killing people now he realizes that someone's on his trail as he's taking he's just oh he's a school bus driver yeah we find out he's a school bus driver and we he finds out that people know are on his trail and there's one person left one girl left for him to drop off and so instead of dropping her off he's like well i think they're about to catch me so i guess i'm gonna rape a kid yeah which who knows is the first time this part was hard for me to watch it was really really hard because i mean especially you don't know how far they're gonna take it right it's really they don't take it Totally there, because he gets interrupted. Thank God. He does, but I mean, he's, like, spreading her legs before he gets interrupted. And the thing is, is really, I this movie is really beautifully and brilliantly edited. Yeah. Because you see him do, you don't really, you see him do things, but these are the type of things that they're not close up. It's, like, at angles, so they're very smart in the way they edit it. Yeah, it's not as disturbing. Like, you see, like, a flash of her midriff, but you don't really, you don't. You see everything. Yeah, exactly. And I, and it's, but still it made you think the worst. And I was yeah. thinking the absolute worst. It was this. very creepy and it made me feel very uncomfortable. Also, she's very young. Yeah, and like, she is. Ah. She's a, supposed to be a middle schooler. She looks like she's maybe 14 at the most. Yeah. Which we've gone all through this and we didn't even say who the other lead is. Oh my God. Uh, Lee Byung Hoon plays, we've mentioned him briefly, but yeah. in case we didn't, plays Soo Hyun. But he also, just in case you're wondering, we mentioned he was in The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. He's also in A, in a Bittersweet Life. But 
Yes. He's in Squid Game. Yeah, he's the frontman or the overseer of the games in the first season of Squid Game. So y'all, so, y'all have seen his face. Yeah, we, well, not his face. Not until the last episode. Not until the last episode. But, but he's there. He's also, for any of our action people, he uh, plays Storm Shadow in G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra and G.I. Joe Retaliation. Oh. Yeah. oh. So oh. he's had, I mean, so he, you know, he may be familiar to some Americans. He might be. Yeah. yeah. Well, everyone watched Squid Game. That's true. Now that's so. a... And uh, they're they're working on season two, so maybe we'll see yeah. some more in season two. And because uh, we mentioned him too, uh, Squad Chief Jang, not not to be confused, Jang the murderer, mm-hmm. uh, was played by John Guk Kwan, who did a lot of he does a lot of Korean TV shows. Yeah. Um. But anyways, I just realized like I totally didn't say his name, but we talked about Choi Min Sik because old boy and all of his other stuff. So, anyways, where were we? Well, we, so, we mentioned the girl, so she, you know, he's about to sexually assault this young girl in the greenhouse, but we should mention that, so, there's four people that he knew there's a possibility they could be. The first one, he busts his balls. The second one, he <laughs> beats the shit out of, but it's actually James is the fir- third house that he goes to, and he finds the engagement ring. So, that's how he yes. knows for sure. So, he has found the engagement ring. He has tracked him down to the greenhouse because someone put a tracking on his car, which mm-hmm. is very smart. And they have a showdown in the greenhouse, but he doesn't kill him. He saves the girl, but he doesn't kill him. And this is the first thing that just kind of pissed me off. I was like, I was like, wow, they're getting to it really quickly. This this is only like 30, 40 minutes into the mm-hmm. movie. Like, okay, what is this going to be short? What is, what's the rest of the time on this movie going to be about? But he lets him go because he wants to wait until it's the worst moment to kill him. Like, he wants to just make him feel... And I'm like, okay. But you could also get him arrested. Yeah. Well, as we know and as we'll get to, he he causes a lot of shit to happen to innocent bystanders by letting this happen. Which I think is what infuriates me. Yes. And the whole time, I do think these officers are trying to do their jobs. But Suhyun is really willing to go far for revenge and it's not that the the frustrating thing is it's not that lawful justice can't be won but it's not the kind of justice he seeks yeah which is an interesting look but i mean i do kind of like that they at least show that the cops are trying but he's just faster than them and better than them. Because a lot of revenge movies, like, they just ignore that there's any kind of law enforcement anywhere. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, this many murders happening, somebody's going to be questioning something. Also, a police chief's daughter got murdered. Or is the point that, like, they're only trying because it's the police chief's daughter? Because he's killed so many other people. Yeah. But, the, and that's the thing, it's like, you know, because he's one of the four, they're thinking, they're like, it's a poss- he's a suspect, but it's like, I that's I think that's the thing that's problematic. So how many people has he killed that he's still just a suspect versus behind bars? Yeah, that's a problem everywhere, I guess, is like, you arrest people for things that are nonviolent, but yet there are violent offenders that get out on the street all the time. People, and like, the thing is, people escalate, the Golden State Killer escalated, yeah. the Ringo Killer escalated. Like, come on. And I mean, I will say the Rinko Killer was arrested a few times. No, but this is where we get kind of into what um, Kim Ji Woon calls the thematic core for this film. And he's like, I came across a passage from Nietzsche. And it's, he's paraphrases, but he's like, one who's hunting the monster must be careful not to become the monster himself. I think he becomes the monster. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. He also mentioned that there's three devils in this movie. There's three different devils. And so. Oh, we do have three devils. You do have three different devils Um, in the movie. Because, I mean, it's a lot of cat and mouse and it's a little repetitive. I think the things that stick out the most to me are like, Jang goes to the hospital and there's this nurse that he tries to assault. And he does. He does assault her. He does assault her. But then he gets interrupted again, but then he doesn't kill him again. But, but I will say, Sunyun makes him swallow a tracking device. Yeah. And there's this whole thing where, like, so he can track him everywhere, he can listen to him. But then also, like, eventually he figures it out and takes a bunch of laxatives and shits it out, which yeah. I thought was very funny. But at this, and this is something very curious, too. So after he assaults the nurse, which I'm just like, 
Yeah, if you just let the police have him after you took him down exactly. the first time, she, she would have been assaulted. She wouldn't have been assaulted. But uh, it's like he tears his Achilles tendon, which is oh, one yeah. of the... Oh, yeah. That was awful. Which is one of the things that was cut. They So, in the Korean cut, they basically cut away as he's about to do it, but in the, in the international release, it's like full on, you see him do it. And it's... Yeah. I did. I was like, I was doing my... Uh-huh, as I was yeah, watching it, because it was hurting fun. me to look at it. I don't like um, Achilles tendon. Yeah, it's a it's a slicing. big thing. Ever since I saw Pet Cemetery, yeah, it's that yeah, one. It's, it's the Pet Cemetery one. That's just done it for me. Yeah, like, but yeah. So, but this is what's curious. It's like so. Even with like his Achilles tendon cut and everything, he's just still fucking out for blood. He is, and he uh. So, but he does. He eventually goes to his buddy's house, not his house. Um, he goes to this person's place of residence. And it's this big old dude and his girlfriend. And they are Tejo, played by Choi Moo Sung, um, who is known for Mr. Sunshine, Reply 1988 and The Berlin File. And Si Jung, played by Kim In Seo, who's known by, for Vampire Prosecutor. I want to see that. Shut Up Flower Boy Band. <laughs> I want to see and that. And the curse lesson, right? Yeah. I want to see all of those. I think that's a TV show. But he's chopping up some meat and throwing it to his dogs. And then you see him, like, throwing away backpacks and shit. Like, and it's like, oh, that's people meat. Yeah. And then, so anyways, so apparently, I guess there's, like, an underground friendship of serial killers. They mentioned they met in some kind of, was it, like, military militia or something that they were, like, protesting? Yeah. So it was, like... That's how they met. Because they make, like, a joke towards that that is just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so he... This reminded me of, like, a Quentin Tarantino sequence, almost. Because, like, you're in a house, and so you've got the cannibal guy, and he's he's talking about, like, oh, once you taste human meat, you'll never taste anything else the same way. It, like, I don't think anyone else is eating the human meat. No, I think even his girlfriend's just eating rice. Yeah. Yeah. But... But he's like, but you can stay here. We have plenty of room. And it's like this really nice house. And you're like, so is he like a rich cannibal? Yeah. Turns out, then he goes, I'm going to fix my next meal while you get some sleep. And, like, basically they've taken the people hostage and they're eating the people that, and killing them. The people that live there. And you're like, what? I didn't, that took a wide left turn. I was like, I didn't expect cannibalism to come into play in this movie, but okay. But it's not so out of the box, the way it's presented, that it's that. Bad. I wanted to bring up because I we completely skipped over it, but I so I'm only bringing it up because I thought it was a really cool scene in the movie, the taxi cab. Oh yeah, that happens before this. He gets in a taxi cab after his Achilles tendon gets sliced, and it's these criminals, and they are yeah, and they, I think- they are stealing this car, and they're gonna hide, they're gonna uh, mug him. And then he turns it over on them. I didn't catch it until I was rereading over some things about this movie. So the guy in the backseat is the fourth suspect. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I was like, holy shit, it blew my mind. So I was <laughs> like, oh, the fourth suspect does show up. But yeah, he knows they're going to get the jump on them. So he stabs them as the car is moving. And I'm just like, because, and this is amazing. So obviously I don't like this character. He's a serial killer. He's repulsive. But I'm still like, you're going to wreck the car. You're going to wreck the car. Because he's just like, and Good. I know Ryan, wreck you can it. see this. He's just like, so he's stabbing the driver. And then he's going in the back and stabbing the guy. So he's like dual stabbing him. It's like wild. It is I've wild. never seen anything like it, I think, in a movie before. It is a very fun an awful sequence. And it turns out that they had cut for... So they filmed the exterior shots, but what they did for that scene, so the interior shots, they cut off the top, top of a taxi cab, and basically they spun it around, and like mm. all the blood, they had to change their outfits three times each tape. They had to change the outfit because there was so much blood. There's a lot of blood. And the fourth time, they're like, guys, we don't have any more outfits. So they had to wash the outfit really quick and put it back on wet to get the fourth and final take. So I was like, That's I, love, I love filmmaking. <laughs> it's so cool. It really is a really cool sequence, and I'm yeah. sorry we skipped over it. But... No, it's okay. Cannibals, the cannibals but are the, more important The cannibal the sequence is yeah. interesting, because it does remind me of a... T- it reminds me of the sequence in Pulp Fiction where uh, Bruce Willis is going to his house, and he knows that Vince Vega is, oh, yeah. is in the bath. Like, he knows he's in his house, and he grabs his gun, and he's, like, sneaking around. Mm-hmm. This turns into that sequence, because uh, Son Hyun has the earpiece so he can hear because the tracking device and he shows up at the house 
And just as the guy's about to kill the second victim, he stops him, lets her get out, but then, like, they're all sneaking around the house at each other. And he's fighting Teju, he's fighting Seijin, the girlfriend. Um, She has a really interesting fight sequence because she's, like, right behind him, and there's a really cool, like, shot where she's, like, about to sneak up on him. And it's really cool. But then um, Jang gets a rifle and starts shooting at him. And again, they fight. And again... They escape, but they all get taken to the hospital mm-hmm. by the because the police finally catch up. Yeah, the cannibal and his girlfriend get taken to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so does Jang. Oh yeah, that's right. And so does Sun Hyun, but he's getting he doesn't realize that Jang is in the hospital bed next to him, and his buddy who's helping him get fixed up is like, "Oh, don't worry, he's like completely unconscious, but he's not. Because why would he be? He's the devil." And so then they have, like, it's, it's, I think this is the worst thing that happens because of Sun Hyun not just letting Yeah, because at this happen. point in the movie, his father-in-law and his sister-in-law are like, please just let the police handle it at this point, please. And Jang and uh, Teju figured out who he was, who yeah. he was related to and why he's taking revenge on yeah. him. They've, because it's actually the cannibal that suggests he's like it's probably someone's like you know you it's a family member of someone you killed wanting vengeance yeah and then he remembers the wedding band yeah he's like mm, yeah okay it's probably that girl somebody so he escapes he poops out the the <laughs> the transistor oh not before he kills a poor innocent fucking pharmacist oh he doesn't kill him he hurts him he stabs him in the throat. Yeah, but then don't they call the cops? I think, does he? I know he puts, I know he puts pressure on it, but I didn't know if he called the cops. He might be dead. So, possible pharmacist Mm -hmm. down. Yeah, he kills a pharmacist over laxatives. (laughs) Asshole. And he poops, shits out the transistor. Just the whole thing that he actually had to, like, shit out a transistor, I found amusing. And then stuffs it down someone else's throat, which is... Yeah, that's pretty gross. And then hits them repeatedly on the head. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, with a weapon, because he's only, he's only cool if he has a weapon. But he calls the police and says, hey, I'm going to meet you in this place. But he's really going to make a detour to the father, the chief, and uh, the sister's house. And he brutally beats up the father and kills the sister. And it's kind of all Sun Yun's, Sun Yun's fault a little bit a little bit and at least the other police guy blames him and what's like even worse is that like so he talks to the cannibal in the hospital and he's like but you know what at least he gives them pleasure before he kills them yeah rape is not pleasure yeah and he laughs about it so he gives him like a glass glow smile which is another yeah really he brutal. rips he rips his face open yeah it's, it's kind of it's awesome so it's I was really like, gross though i was like every time i feel like i'm not gonna be like hurting something else happens in this movie that kind of makes yeah. me hurt because i get like phantom pain because tale of two sisters is yeah. not gruesome yeah it's very creepy, but it's not gruesome. This is, like, very gruesome. There's a lot of blood. I got a lot of um, phantom pain watching this. I don't know if you do, if this happens when you watch certain movies, but the back of my legs start hurting. No, but I can feel, like, just the pain of, like, your face getting ripped apart. Like, it was just, yeah. like... Oh, I did forget to mention the cannibal's girlfriend mm-hmm. and Jang apparently originally had a sexy sequence. Yes, I saw that. But they cut it out completely because... It was supposed to show how brutal he was and how sadistic he was. But apparently the actress playing the girlfriend was actually kind of intimidating after they filmed it. And the entire, like, screening audience was like, oh, we thought it was consensual. And he's like, no, it's not. And they're like, well, because I've never seen the scene because it was cut out and I don't think they've ever shown it. But he was like, so that was not the message I was trying to get across. So we just took it out completely because we didn't want it to be even more confusing yeah which kind of sucks for that actress because like obviously like it was probably like a big scene she worked on i think but... she also i don't know if you had this feeling about her but she to me had like elena bonham carter from five clubs a little vibes. bit yeah little bit. like marla vibes i really yeah. liked her I, she looked familiar to me mm-hmm. but i hadn't seen anything else she was in so she must look like another actress that i'm just thinking of oh you know who she reminded me of hmm the main character in Thirst, Song Kang Ho's oh, girlfriend. Oh, I can see was, that. Her, their hair was very similar. I can see that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like when she, but after she becomes a vampire. Yeah. Like not before. But anyways, so he's lost everything. He's lost his fiance. He's lost his 
pretty much his family that he had left. Because it doesn't seem like he has family. Like, it seems like his fiance's family was his family. Yeah. And, and he finds out that she was pregnant, which he did yes, not he know. Yes, he did not know that. That makes it even worse. Sometimes people think, like, oh, I'm going to tell you this extra thing about this person you lost. It's going to make you feel better. <sighs> but actually... It makes you feel worse, and it's like, you know, it was bad enough, I didn't need to know this extra thing. Yeah, but, yeah, so everyone is, uh, everyone he loves, or actually, you know what, this is, I don't know if you agree with this, Katie, but I almost feel worse for Police Chief, because both of his daughters are dead, and the last time you see him, he's been beaten up, but he still holds his hand so tight. Like, he's like, it's gonna be okay, and you cut to his face. And he's just crying. And yeah. I'm just like, it's it's moments like that. There's these moments of brutality in this film. But then there's these moments that are so heart-wrenching that you feel yeah. the pain. And it just, I don't know, it, it hurted me. It hurt yeah. me even worse to see that scene than probably, like, the that moments of violence. That scene and when, when the music stops and he realizes his fiance is dead. Yeah. That part. Oh, it got me. But could you imagine telling an old man that both, like, his other daughter is dead for your dumbass, stupid mistake? Yeah. yeah, it's pretty, it's fucked up. It's really fucked up. Um, But I will say, it does lean to a sequence where, so, like, the, the police are set up to pick up Jang in the street, but then, fuck no, I've got taken this too far, I'm gonna get this fucker. And he grabs, he takes the door off of a car and grabs him through the driver's side window and drives him back to his lair where he sets up this elaborate thing with his guillotine where he's holding it in his teeth. He also, he puts something through his face. Yeah, so, yeah, he, like, sticks something, like, he burns a cigarette off in his forehead and then he sticks something through, like, his cheek and, like, yeah. pierces it completely. And you see it come out on the other tongue. side. Yeah. It's... Very gross. But this is the thing that's, like, completely nihilistic because, you know, basically at this point he wants to see him, like, he wants to see him afraid and he wants to see him in pain. And he feigns it, but then he just very coldly looks at him and he's like, I can't feel either of those things. Which just makes you feel like all this was for nothing. Yeah. Like, he doesn't feel pain, he doesn't feel fear in the same way that other people do. However, when he found Chang... He went to his parents' house, and it turns out that he had abandoned his elderly parents and dumped his child there with his elderly parents, who seemed to be very dysfunctional. But not as dysfunctional as him. Yeah. But just a little dysfunctional. Also, she does make a comment, the mom makes a comment, when they first see him. She's a picture of him from now. She's like, oh my god, what happened to him? Yeah. He doesn't look like himself. Why does he look so scary? Why does he look so scary? And it's like, obviously, like, he's gone down a really bad, dark path. Um, So maybe he started out not being so dark, which is maybe, you know, a warning to our main character. He leaves just as they're showing up at his home. So, and he set up this trap. This was actually very brilliant. He sets up a trap, so like, Okay, on one hand, I love this because, like, I fucking hate this character. He's such an asshole. Yeah. He's just so fucking evil. But on the other hand, uh, he kind of uh, traumatizes a child. Yeah. Because basically the trap is the next person that opens the door will turn the guillotine on. Yeah, it'll take the rope out of his teeth. Out of his teeth, and then the guillotine will chop his head off. And it happens, and you see it happen. And it is cathartic in a way, but... Also, you're just passing on trauma to the next generation, which is not cool. And he doesn't watch it, but he's listening in his ear because he put the transmitter in again. And then he just starts crying. Yeah. So it's kind of cathartic. See, I saw But him, it's also very nihilistic. I saw him crying as in, like, it didn't take the pain away. Like, it oh, was, okay. it was like, I felt... I thought he was just able to release all of it. And that... Maybe, maybe that's maybe. it. Maybe. And I, we don't really know. I mean, it could be that he was releasing it because it was finally over. But the way I saw it was that he it was the pain of emptiness. Like, there was so much more loss than what was gained for his path of revenge. I mean, I, I think that's true as well. Like, I think, I think you could take it either way. So, do you have any pros or cons we didn't mention? That's the, kind of the movie, y'all. So, anything we didn't mention that... So the three killers, the three devils they actually mentioned. So we have we have Jang, 
But then we have Su Hyeon, who, you know, becomes the devil and himself trying to bring the devil to justice. But, I suppose. yeah, the third one they mentioned was, is that the audience is the devil, that it's the devil we see within ourselves, because we recognize it as we watch for a surrogate, what we're capable of. So it's like, we're seeing the devil, too. Yeah, that was, that was the actually intention. That's, that's a, yeah, so. That's, that's a little, little, little pretentious, I'm gonna say, but, you know what? Okay. I don't know if that came across. Mm-hmm. He should have made it a little more voyeuristic, I think, then. Yeah. I do think it's interesting he also had this response because I guess some people call this gore porn. No. I, I don't no. I don't think it's gore porn. Now, it is no. very gory. It is gory. It is very gory. But, but it's I, not gore for the sake of gore. I couldn't compare it to, like, Saul or Hostel in any way. Oh, no. Hostel's yeah. just trash. Yeah, no, it is. Eli Roth will never listen to this podcast, but if he ever did, he'd be like, well, fuck them. <laughs> at, least I was, at least I was the bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards. Um, you were good as the bear Jew. Yes. He uh, he had mentioned that he hopes the audience sees the emotional core that's at the base of these actions that drive yeah. the central characters to such extremities. So he's like, he's like, you know, if you want to focus on only the gore, then yeah, you can, you can equate my film to torture porn, but I hope you see this is what this is not apart. torture porn. This there's is a what plot. sets it apart. There's yeah. a story. There's a plot. There's an emotional through line. There's an emotional core to it, like he said. This, I would not call this gore porn at all. I would say it is gory. Yeah, incredibly gory. It is very gory. Now, Lee did also say this about Suheyon. He said, the audience will wonder what one gets out of revenge after looking at Suheyon. And I'm like, I, I get that. So the only con I really have is maybe... Is the violence mm-hmm. is one. I feel like I, it didn't unsettle me like a Gaspar Noe film, but it was definitely shocking and it was very realistic. And I really didn't like the nurse or the student sexual assault sequence. Yeah. It wasn't scarring because it was filmed like appropriately. Like it made you feel that this was really happening, but it also like wasn't like it wasn't sleazy the way it was filmed. It was tastefully done. But I still hated it. My issue, okay, so I told you the cops are idiots. And once yeah. again, these are fictional cops and we do not know how, we don't know how officers in Korea work. But they all have his address because he's been a, he's been a suspect in crimes before. So why is no one staked out at his house thinking he may return? I don't. These yeah. are the, these are the things that like oh, bother me. Okay, then I'm wrong because they are really stupid. <laughs> I was just trying, I, I enjoy it. I appreciate the fact of the the attention to detail. The cops at least were still trying to find him. Yeah. I was like, well, at least these cops are trying to do their job. They're just not very good at it. Also, okay, another thing that bothers me. So he calls calls his father-in-law to let him know. Oh, my God, he doesn't have the phone. But then, why didn't he try to call his sister-in-law? Does she just not have a cell phone, or did he not think to call her? She should. It was 2010. Yes, exactly. So her life could have been saved if someone tried to call her, but obviously no one did because she yeah. walks through the gate and then just walks through the house. Nobody tried to call the home phone, so well, I guess it's okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is frustrating. So yeah, those are the few things that just kind of, I'm like, they bothered me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I honestly, the first time I watched, I didn't sink in that the sister was dead. I was really yeah. hoping she wasn't. Yeah. And then, like the second time, I was like, "Oh no, she's dead." Yeah, that was. She upset me the most. Yeah, I I think she was very upsetting, and I thought it was very very cruel that they let their dad live. Like that was a very cruel part in the script that he yeah. lived, and once again, his both of his children are dead. Yeah, and he even says early in the movie, he's like, "The worst thing is, I was an officer for so many years, I couldn't even protect my daughter, and now I couldn't protect his daughters." Well, but it's not his fault. It's not, but it's just like devastating. And that's, like, the other thing that kind of drives home. It's, like, you know, he had to go on this revenge quest. And I get why he made this decision. But a lot of innocent people were harmed on the way. I don't know. So, do you think Do you think he went too far? I did. I do. Yeah, if I'm being honest. I think there was at least one or two points he could have braked. And especially after literally his fiance's family was like, please stop this. And he kept persisting. It frustrated me that, like, he could have killed him so many times. Yeah. And he didn't because he liked the chase. Yeah. I'm like, well, fuck it. That guy's dangerous. Like, either turn him in or fucking kill him. Like, do one or the other. Which, again, I'm not really a capital punishment kind of person. But, like, it's a movie, for one. And for two, 
Like, this was an evil person that apparently was going to have no redemption. Yeah. Well, even, like, how he, when he lets him go the first time, he gives him, like, a bunch of cash. Oh, yeah. I thought that was, like, the weirdest thing. Like, even if he was letting him go for, like, the toying aspect, like how a cat would play with a mouse, it's still like, why give him all the cash? I don't know. But that's the movie. Yeah. Is revenge worth it? It's dicey. It's dicey. It is I don't think in this case it is. No, I think revenge only makes sense if there's no other option. Maybe that makes me boring. I don't know. And this isn't like, it's a movie, so, like, I'm not trying to teach anyone a lesson, but I'm like, uh, this is too much. But I do like this movie. I do think it's really good. I would recommend it if you can handle the gore and the violence. But it is extreme, so I really don't want you to be tiptoeing into that territory if it's going to traumatize you. So please don't. So I guess we're up to ratings. Uh, what did you rate this out of 10? I actually did give it 8 out of 10. Me too! Yeah! 8 out of 10! Wham, 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 wham. Yeah, I, I will say this for how brutal it was and for the things that really, really pissed me off during the movie. I couldn't <laughs> take my eyes off of it. It's so beautifully shot and yeah. so well acted. It's every character is like so well done. I was completely invested from start to finish. I, w- I mean, like I love like the two characters, like the fiancés, and I'm like, oh, they're so cute. And I was like, oh no, yeah. no, I liked them, and then it's just awful. Like they deserve a happy ending, and they're not gonna get one. Um, did you have a grindhouse girl rating for? I it? did. I only have one. I rated it <laughs> B for broken balls, buses, <laughs> and bloody brutality. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like it. I had three. So the first one's rated C. We just did a rated C. It's for cannibals, calves, and cathartic killing. Okay. But I know now. <laughs> You're just like, Brittany oh. does not agree with the catharsis <laughs> part of that. Uh, so maybe not the most appropriate for this one. Uh, rated S for snow, secret agents, and serial killers. But I don't like how that one flows. It doesn't flow that well. It's just kind of three things. I still kind of like it. Oh, okay. Um, and then rated G for guillotines and guilt. Yeah. I kind of like S out of your three, I think. You like S? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, Ryan, S or B? S. S. Okay, S. so we're doing rated S for snow, secret agents, and serial killers. Yeah. So that's I Saw the Devil. Yes. Okay, so yeah, we talked about it a little bit, and so I know we've been wanting to do this movie for a while, and it was mm-hmm. a it was a big hit at the twenty twenty two Sundance Film Festival. Yes. So Nanny is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Yes. Yeah. And it is one that we've been waiting since last February to do. <laughs> but I'm excited about this movie because female too. director. Yeah. It's a woman of color, and I find that really cool because. People need to have more voices out there. Yeah. And and also the movie looks really cool. So we're gonna do Nanny, and then we're. I mean, we'll keep doing movies, but we will also be checking in on Oscar movies before the Oscars in March. Yeah. So keep watching those Oscar films, and we'll tell you which ones are going to win. Yeah. Well, which ones? Or take very take very very educated guesses. Yes. Who may win? Maybe I'll just guess all the wrong ones. That'll be fun. Oh, what if you guess all the wrong ones and we're still like 50% right? I mean, then it would just be the Oscars. Yeah. So. (laughs) But anyways, Gizmo wants to go outside and it's getting late. So where we are, it might be morning where you are. So it is. I think it's time to go and say good day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And in case I don't see ya, stay spoopy. Anyways, no, there's more to that. But um, be nice to everybody. Uh, the news has been really shitty lately. I, it's like I, I don't have enough time to talk about the Memphis murder. Um, but I did watch some of the video. I couldn't watch all of it. Um, I tried to make myself watch as much as I could. Um, but it was awful. It's awful. And sometimes life can be awful and it's not fair. And I do want to say I'm proud of a lot of people for speaking up and keeping things as level-headed as they can in a situation that is not level-headed at all. Um, and I really hope justice is found. If you want some cathartic courtroom drama, the, um, 
Murdoch murder cases going on. And there's that's interesting because this guy seems like, in my opinion, allegedly a piece of shit mm. who may have murdered two of his family members and maybe had a hand in three other murders. Um, but he does seem to be getting his comeuppance, let's hope. So this does, and the judge is really entertaining because he takes no bullshit and it's very entertaining. So if you need true crime, that's a better thing to live stream. But it's really shitty right now. So take care of each other and take care of yourselves and try to protect yourself as best you can and try not to, try to listen to people when they tell you that their life experience might not be what your life experience is. Because I know if I got pulled over by cops, I don't think the same thing would have happened to me. And I didn't realize until too late in life that that's not everybody's reality. And it's definitely not fair. And it's not okay. And that has been weighing heavily on my heart a lot. So I don't want to be too depressing, but I also want you guys to know that like, it's sucky and it sucks and it's awful and no one should have to go through that and nobody's family should have to go through that. So I hope you are all safe and taking care of one another and stuff. Sorry, it's really depressing, but it's been really, it's yeah. just awful. Um, also, I feel like, you know, we're coming up on Mardi Gras season in the South. Things get a little kooky, so be careful. Watch your drinks. Yeah. Don't let someone else pour your drinks. And don't go places with strangers. Use the uh, buddy system. Use the buddy system. And have a designated driver or walker homer. Like, yeah. Do not just, not everybody get, just because you're in a big group doesn't mean something bad can't happen to you. Man, I'm really depressing today. I don't know. I mean, it's sad, but the world <laughs> we live in, we have to be safe and we have to take care of ourselves and take care of each other, yes. which is something we say every single week. Um, yes. But I mean, you know, people have been killed before getting into a car. They assume it's their Uber. Like, yes. it's. I, I mean, there's a lot of great in the world. Over for no reason. Oh, sorry. Oh. I feel like Mr. Rogers said that one time before, like, when you get when things get scary, look for the nice people, look for the kind people in the world, and that's what we have well, to do thank now. thank you, Mr. Rogers and Britt. But take care of each other, be safe, um, take your vitamins, wash your hands, get your boosters, I do mine, I want to do it on Sunday, and just be careful out there, you guys, and watch some good movies, watch Nanny. Yes. And watch some of the Oscar movies. But we're gonna say goodnight. I'm gonna let Brittany yeah. say her her the rest of her stuff and then we'll say goodnight. I'm just uh no, I'm just gonna make it quick, uh very quick. Take care of yourselves and and each other. We love y'all very much. Thank mm-hmm. you for always joining us. Um we just look forward to seeing you next time. Same spooky time, same spooky channel. Stay, Stay spooky, y'all. Yay! Or good day, or good morning. Good time, Mike. Nice drive, nice time. Have a good have a good time. Have fun cleaning the house. Bye. Yeah, bye. Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.